What I didn't realize is that part of the valuation that was performed on that stock, at least uh, outside of the typical equity research, was of course based on the, on the psychology of the market at the time around the tech bubble. And as such, I was also punished for that. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks, but to win big, hey, 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 you have got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Ilko Fiole. Ilko, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, we were just talking before this podcast about all the different things that you have been exposed to throughout your non-linear career. So I thought it's a better idea to have you explain what you do and what you have done and what brought you here. So maybe you can go through your bio and then after that, we'll continue on with the question. Sure. Thanks, Andrew. So I do three things. First of all, I run a small fiduciary services shop with four partners throughout Europe. We serve as independent directors in all kinds of investment vehicles, typically in the alternative investment space around the world. So we have mandates anywhere between Hong Kong to Cayman in fund vehicles, but also asset managers, wealth managers, and any other vehicle that or company that invests in or overlooks alternative investments. So that's the first thing. The second thing I do, I'm the CFO, so the Chief Financial Officer of uh, the Tezos Foundation. Tezos is in a, a large blockchain initiative around the world as well. And they're famous for having excellent on-chain governance, among other features of the, of the blockchain. Very exciting space to be in. And the third thing I do, a little bit uncommon, but I'm a joint faculty at the University of Lausanne, where I lecture on finance ethics. And some of you may know that Asho Say Lausanne was actually the winner of last year's CFA Institute Research Challenge. So I'm very happy with that, of course. So I combine alternative investments, blockchain, and ethics. Before all of this, I spent around a decade as CFO and COO in the wealth management and alternative investment space latest with uh, Credit Suisse Asset Management. I'm based in Zurich, but also in Singapore. As a Dutchman, I, I get around uh, the world. Got it. I call myself an economist by profession. My educational background is in um, engineering and business law and a few other subjects. I like to read stuff. So <laughs> I probably, you know, if everything, maybe Andrew, I would become an investment researcher myself uh, one day. <laughs> well, you're highly qualified for that. And as we talked before, you even have another master's degree coming on board, as I heard. Yeah, I keep on developing, if I may say so. We'll talk about it later, but mm -hmm. I think I've been shifting my attention from the hard stuff to more the soft stuff. So over the last few years, I've been studying things like ethics myself as well, and then positive psychology and social innovation uh, is the latest one, you know, besides all the finance stuff that I've done, of course, uh, previously. Got it. And you're also a CFA charter holder. I certainly am. And that's part of what we're going to talk about later on. I'm Great. a CFA charter holder and uh, I'm also an active volunteer uh, yep. with CFA. Cheers. Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, Tell us a bit about the circumstances right. leading up to it, and then tell us your story. Sure. 
So before I enter this investment, I've been a banker for uh, around six years after finishing a business degree, working with major organizations. So I had the feeling that I sort of understood what was, uh, was going on. I was not a CFA charter holder at the time. In fact, I think I've just started to look at the thing and look at taking level one. And, you know, I was looking at placing my uh, savings, let's say, and it was around the time around the internet bubble. I think what we look back as the internet bubble or the tech bubble at the time. Uh, shall I go into it already? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so basically what happened was that... Um, I received from a friend of mine an equity research report by, written by, I think, a CFA charter holder, which basically projected a stock of a large telecom firm to go up from 17 to 20 euro. And I thought, okay, and he, with a buy recommendation, and this was a well-established house. And uh, I thought there was a lot of credibility there. As I mentioned, I had the feeling that I had enough base to sort of be able to read this thing. And as such, I decided to, you know, to buy that stock. The research report seemed very compelling to me. I mentioned the house was reputable. This was not very speculative stock. A large telecom firm, what can go wrong? Shortly after, as things would have it, this thing went down to six euro. So instead of from 17 to 20, it went down to six as it was part of the whole deception around the tech bubble. So what I didn't realize is that part of the valuation that was performed on that stock, at least outside of the typical equity research, was, of course, based on the psychology of the market at the time around the tech bubble. And as such, I was also punished for that. And, you know, I've been an investment person ever since, going with different organizations and also through the ranks. But I must admit that this was one of the, my key experiences in the investing space, even though I took my CFA later. And we can speak about this from what I actually learned from going through. Yeah, I still almost repeat the equity research report. It was a shock to me. So tell us, what did you learn as you went you know, back and looked at it? Well... What I learned is that I cannot rely, even the most professional of work that has been done, I need to invest my own time to actually understand the recommendation, understand the analysis. So a first understanding of things is not enough to sort of get full of comfort. You need to develop your own opinion on things, even though you get an offer of information which comes from very credible sources. I think what also came to me is that I need to think outside of the box in terms of risk. So where I felt that I had a good handle on the risk in this investment by going through the report itself and knowing the firm a bit from the outside and so on, there was obviously risk outside of that notion, which hit me hard. And we'll get to speak about risk in a moment because I've now pre-pronounced opinion about risk. But... I learned you need to think outside the box in terms of risk, outside of the standard classifications. You cannot assume that what you're seeing is enough to guarantee results. You need to check your assumptions and adjust your views on things as well. Yeah, so these, I think, were the key lessons that I got out of this. And the thing is that after, certainly if you do CFA or a similar program, you get a a beautiful framework about how to think about investments. And it is certainly something that I could never have built any career on without, you know, so it's, it is a key element of my career. But 
at the same time, you need to stay open for things in, in order to come to some, some judgment. Mm, okay. um, the frameworks that we get offered through CFA or some other academic material is not enough to reflect reality in the end. You need to be able to make, have your own judgment. Right. Maybe I'll summarize a couple of my takeaways from it and then see what you think about that. I think the first thing that is important from this story is the idea of work. If you want to be successful as an engineer, as an architect, as a dentist, you know, you've got to do the work to learn it and do it. And investing is no different. We have to work to try to be successful. And yet, in the world of finance, hard work isn't enough. I mean, hard work is good and framework, as you've discussed, is good and important. But then risk comes from out of nowhere. So the first thing that I kind of take away from it is the idea that, and we learn this in CFA ethics too, is that I always tell my ethics students, like if you're sitting in a restaurant and you overhear a guy saying he's buying this stock because it's really you know high quality balance sheet and it's not that expensive and it looks like it's got a good future and you were to go to your clients and say, hey, I think you should buy this stock because I heard this guy. Well, everybody would say, well, that would be crazy. But I said, well, what if the guy was Warren Buffett? That's right. You're hearing that. Well, you still have to do your work, right? Even That's if right. the idea is coming. And so the work part is something that I think a lot of people miss. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that what I've learned from all of my interviews on this podcast is the idea of separating your research that you do, the work that you do on return from the work that you do on risk. Try to really separate those two so that all the excitement and, and all of the positive feeling that you get about, hey, this looks like a good story. I think this is going to do well. I really like the thesis here. Let all of that come out in the, the research of the return. And then you've got to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and turn and say, okay, now I'm going to put on my risk hat. And now I'm going to tear this apart from a risk perspective. And I think that if there's one thing I take away from, the, from your story, it's the concept of you got to do your work no matter who it is that you get the information from. And the second one is that really the risk work is so critical. So what do you think? Is, did I miss something in that? So I think that's fair. We're going to speak about risk in the moment as well. I think also the, um, the assumptions that people have in this whole game, if you will, you need to be aware of your own assumption, biases, and so on, and check those assumptions. Uh, in my case, I realized looking back that I made a whole lot of implicit assumptions there that I wasn't checking, including assumptions about my own ability at that time to judge what I was looking at. So I learned also that we need to be humble in how we approach these things. Got it. Great learning. I also kind of, one of the things that a light went off when you were talking about, I had to do the, as you said, like I realized that I needed to do the work to understand how the person was valuing the company. So it's not even so much that I don't, there are times that you can rely on a professional's advice and a professional's work, but you at least have to understand, hey, how did he arrive at this? And oh, I see, he's making a huge assumption on, for instance, the internet bubble's going to stay high or whatever that is. So I think that's a great takeaway for the audience because there's a lot of people that say, I don't have time to do the research for everything. And so that's another one I, I take away. 
So let me ask you, based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? That one, that man or yeah. woman's out there just about to do what you did. Be skeptical, you know, be cautious. That's the thing. And be skeptical about what people are offering you and then come back to what we said before, do the work. In the end, judgment is a very important piece. Try and be aware. We can speak with awareness maybe in a moment, but be skeptical. That's what I would say. Not, not negative, but be skeptical. Yep. Yeah, that's what makes a great analyst and also is the idea of questioning everything. Well, yeah. last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? My goal in the investment space, I like to push better governance in the investment space. So I'm actively committed to support initiatives around better governance, specifically risk governance. And I will you know, talk about this at every moment that I can. And risk governance has to do also a lot with judgment and how we get in a systemic, in a systematic way, let's say, to a better judgment for better, in the end, for better risk-adjusted outcomes for investors. Risk governance has taken place in boards and of all kinds of investment entities, which, of course, underlie fiduciary duties and play around with a lot of money from other people. Well, I'd say that's a pretty ambitious goal. So that's fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Ilko, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, I think that, you know, risk nowadays is idiosyncratic. And it doesn't matter if you're in traditional or in alternative markets. In my mind, we need increased awareness. So I would try to increase my awareness. And I would wish everybody to increase their awareness. And that people stay sound in their choices, both professionally and ethically, at the same time. Fantastic. Well... That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.